Hi, I'm Chuck. And Deb. And welcome to the Chuck and Deb Show on Biker Life Radio. We're so truly grateful and thankful that you've joined us today. We've got a a fantastic show <laughs> lined up just for you. Biker Life Radio is for those who ride and those who inspire to ride. We are here to reveal the truth behind the motorcycle mystique and bring real life stories of the <laughs> biker lifestyle. Absolutely. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to bring you a real life story. But before we get into the real life story, we want to introduce you to a very special person. This is Jason how do you say your last name? Cloud? Cloyd. Cloyd. I should I should know. It's not like Floyd, but it's Cloyd. Cloyd yes, Jason, yep. Jason Cloyd. And we're going to tell you how we met Jason Cloyd in a little bit. But let's get to know Jason a little bit. So our audience gets to know you a little bit, Jason. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. We can start anywhere. But you're actually, we're, uh, we didn't say, but we are in Memphis, Texas. Texas. <laughs> and uh, you grew up here, is that right? Yes, sir. This is my hometown. Born and raised. Okay. And the population, I noticed when we come in, and I know you told me before, is around 2,000, 2,200, something like that? Uh, right around 2,000, give or take a little bit. Okay. Very good. So uh, you grew up here, and man, there's a lot of things that you told me. You know, I can go over like your weightlifting, and if you want to share a little <laughs> bit about that, because I thought that was a cool story. Go ahead and share that. I threw you don't mind. Through high school, I was one of the shortest and smallest. I know it's kind of hard to tell right now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I weighed about 112, and I set our state record or our school records as squats and deadlift at around 700 pounds. Man, that's amazing. That's a lot of flipping it's, weight today for a 112-pound person. Yeah. <laughs> and what's your height? I'm only 5'7". See that? You can conquer anything. That's right. You set your mind to it, boy. That, that just, just, that just gives it. you a little bit about this guy's mindset. At he a young age, though. That was yeah. high school. So that was just exactly. the, that was before he even started to endeavor in his career, which is just amazing. That's right. So <laughs> what else? There might have been something I missed uh, between that and between you uh, going into the Marines. Is there anything in between there that you'd like uh, our audience to know about you? I'm between uh, Memphis, uh, grew up here, between... Football, track, powerlifting. I've been playing saxophone for over 20 years. Oh, I didn't know that, that and... man. I'd have that to play something. something. New. I know. Gosh, man, bring out had... the sax. Uh, I love the sax. Musician and all. I didn't know that. Wow. Cool, I dude. Did, the, did that through college. Uh, went to Clarendon College, graduated from there, and then went to Louisiana Tech. Right did on. A little time there and. Worked in between that. I actually worked at a radio station all through high school and through college. Well, uh, tell us a little bit about that. I didn't know that either. Yeah, we've well, learned some I more I worked and more. at our uh, local radio station here in Memphis is KLSR. It's 105.3 FM. All right. <laughs> we are the country leader around here. It's actually one of the better ones. We even have uh, Sundays mornings, our church shows. Uh, Sunday evenings are our Spanish shows here and. I DJed for a lot of that, and I did a lot of weekend stuff, and we did a lot of traveling, so I helped our boss hook up the van. They do live football, so if you want to listen to Friday night football, tune in to KLSR, and we play it on Friday nights. All KLSR, right, KLSR. Boy, you just can never we, can we get that on iHeartRadio? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, maybe we can iHeartRadio. The top country, football, all that sort of cool uh, stuff. Awesome. Yeah, and just some technical things real quick as we go forward. Sorry, I got to do this. Deb, if your mic can move down, not so much in your face. I like it in my and, face. And it Jason, as you go, if you're turning back and forth, just take that uh, mic with you so we don't lose it. Because every time yes, you talk, you we lose it. I want to make sure we get it all, okay? Uh, okay. Yes, sir. All yeah. right, so thanks for that. So, um, and you were also with the fire department. Uh, was that before you went into the Marines? 
Yes, sir. Um, I was the youngest person vo- voted onto the fire department in Memphis, Texas, and I was voted on while still in high school at the age of 18. Wow. Before that, their uh, youngest age was 21. My dad was a captain or an assistant chief at the time, and they had actually rewrote the rules. That way, younger people, they could start trying to get on. So they got that passed, and I got voted on while still in high school. That's incredible. That's a, that's quite an accomplishment. It, it was back then, and now we've got more younger guys on the team because of that. So we have started branching out and trying to get more younger people involved in what the fire department does. It is not just fighting fire, but we help medical. We help a whole lot of stuff around town for storms. We do a lot of storm watch also. Oh, interesting. So so it's more than just fighting fires, which we knew. You know, yes, there's sir. some paramedic kind of stuff. Right, medical-related right. stuff for sure. And then, but I never knew about the storm part. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you guys do get some storms around here, don't uh, you? This is the bottom edge of Tornado Alley. So oh, okay. <laughs> we get some pretty good storms roll through here during the season, which... Is right now. Okay. All yeah, right. Golly. Yeah. And uh, we're, we're fortunate to be out here today. We're sitting outside in front of Jason's uh, house here. And before we showed up today, I had envisioned we'd be on his uh, porch, but uh, <laughs> well, we might be able to. Now. <laughs> yeah. He we showed t- up and there was no porch. <laughs> so the cool He's thing is, is you know, if you, if you haven't learned anything about Jason yet, the one thing I think that stands out is, first of all, he's got a servant's heart and loves to help and serve people. And that'll kind of come twofold in the rest of the story. But secondly, he's very active and he loves working with his hands. And, you know, we knew that when we left and when we first met Jason. And now we've watched it with the front porch gone. <laughs> it's an incredible feat. <laughs> it's phenomenal. So yeah. he's got a vision and he's got things in work and the progress. And uh, it's it's just awesome. So Now, Jason, uh, I don't know if a lot of people can see it and uh, I'm trying to think if we missed anything to cover we can come back to it but over behind Deb is Jason's bike what are you riding right now Jason uh, that's a 2004 Honda Shadow Arrow okay great and how long you had that you've had that one a while hadn't you I bought it off the line in 2004. I put the first five miles on it. <laughs> there you go. That feels good to put the first five miles on <laughs> yes, it. Yes, sir. It oh. does. My dad, we picked up his uh, gold wing, uh-huh. and then the next month we went back, and I picked up my Hon- my Shadow. Right on. Right on. So it was it was adventure. Before that one, I was riding a Kawasaki that I had bought from our chief of police. I, I remember that story, too. <laughs> <laughs> Which I bought that for my dad for Father's Day which was the first street bike he's ever rode. He rode dirt bikes as a kid. Uh-huh. So I snuck out of the house. Mom had no idea, which went over real well when I tossed him the keys to a motorcycle. Yeah, because your mom's got that look. I think you told me you don't want that look from your mom, no, right? she's an Irish redhead. You do not want that look. Oh, gosh, that's so, funny. So you got the keys and... Uh, Tossed um, him, him to dad, and uh, <laughs> next next thing, everything's history. You yes, guys sir. are riding we've, together. We've been riding together since 2002, actually. Right on. Is when we've been we started riding was 2002, and I got her in 2004. So now I've rode her from here to California and back. Right on. 
Going to wow. be doing more. They got more ahead of you as well. Oh, yes, sir. I plan on making right. a trip to Florida sometime. Oh, you're going to come see us in Florida. <laughs> well, no doubt about that. You're going to bring the bike? You're going to ride it? Oh, trailer well, yeah. Oh, I do I not trailer. It. That's, that's my man. That's right. You're right. All right. We're going to come back to riding here in a minute, but I want to go back to, uh, if we can, and Deb, feel free to jump in anytime. And, uh, of course, Jason, if you want to share something, just go right ahead and do it. That's how kickback we are here. Yes, sir. But... Uh, you know, I'll talk about you and the Marines a little bit. I, thank you, you. I wanted to you go know, there. So. You, you've really uh, served our country well. You've got a, a few, uh, quite a few accomplishments, I would think, um, from what you told me in the Marines. Uh, number one uh, that, that comes to my mind is your, your and I, see, I'm doing it myself. I'm putting it right in front of me, um, is uh, your martial arts experience, right? You got yes, your, sir. What, your black belt? Is, what are you? What are you? Tan belt, belt of purple. I hold a uh, six degree black belt in Okinawa Shonru. I hold a second degree black belt in American Taekwondo, a blue belt in Jiu Jitsu, and another belt in Krav Maga. Unbelievable. And that's not that- counting the Marine Corps, which I own a black belt for McMap. Also, <laughs> if you guys haven't noticed, Jason is a real underachiever. <laughs> His philosophy in life is if you're going to do it, damn it, do it well and do it the best yes, ever. So, and actually the back of his shirt, I got to chuckle yeah, out of yeah, that yeah. earlier. So it says, uh, it says, I am the weapon. And now you all know. There you go. And on the front, it, it's a, uh, what is that, M16? Or what, no, what is this, what's that? It's a, an M4. M4, okay. And it says, it, this is a tool. Yes, sir. <laughs> but he's the weapon, and so then, watch out. And then there's an arrow pointing down. I don't know what that means. But. <laughs> well, hey, three inches, buddy, three inches. <laughs> all right. So if you want to know the real story behind that joke, you've got to tell, reach out to yeah. us on our page and say, oh. tell me the joke. <laughs> Has to do with this front porch, by the way. Not, not what, what some of uh, you other people Was might be thinking. To. <laughs> so, what else? What are some of the other things? Where were you stationed? Um, and tell us a little bit about that, because I think tell you, us about your yeah. service. I think that's very. I uh, went into the Marine Corps in 2005. I uh, went to San Diego, out in California, which is nice. the first time I've been to California. Mm-hmm. Left here, graduated boot camp there. Went through MCT. My comm school, uh, my MOS was communications maintenance, which if you could talk on it, we fixed it. That was our whole thing. Excellent. Anything from computers, radios, SATCOM terminals, anything like that. That was in 29 Palms, California. So if any of y'all know that, it's the Mojave Desert. Ooh. <laughs> uh, temperatures there right now are about 110, and it's sand. There's wow. not a lot there. Uh, graduated from comm school there and got shipped to Okinawa, Japan. I was at Camp Hansen with 7th Comm Marine Division and deployed from there all over the Asian East. Went back for comm school and for my staff promotion and then went back to Okinawa for another tour. And I did wow. eight years total in Okinawa, Japan. Wow. And you learned a lot, I imagine, about the culture and everything. Oh, the culture over there is very nice. They're very pleasant people, very nice to deal with. The food out there is exquisite. If mm. you ever need to get a chance to visit, it is definitely different than mainland Japan. Okay. Okinawa was its own country for a while, and those are very oh. proud people about it. Mm. Okay. Their history and their culture, which is another where... I study some of my that's, martial arts. I was going to mm-hmm. ask you about that, so feel free to share on that when you're ready. I'll say, from the Marine Corps, we got to venture out, and we got to do a little martial arts out in town. 
So I met my master sensei, and we actually brought him on base, and we started doing teaching on base, which is a little rare. Americans getting to go into a traditional Japanese dojo is selected. Mm -hmm. Now, they do allow it, but they're very particular. Sure. They do not accept rude, hateful. No, they are very polite, so you better be very dedicated to what you want to do. So I proved myself on that one, so then I got invited, (laughs) and then I started learning, and I learned from about seven different masters over there, and increased my belt level, and I started teaching, and then I started teaching when I got back over here in the States, trying to cherish their traditions and carry that over into American time. Right on, right, right on. Absolutely. That's and I, you know, just, uh, and I trained in martial arts very little, but I know that that is something that is almost instilled in you as you begin training is it's, it's almost that sense of loyalty and family, even in that culture. Very much training. so. They, they take it to heart and that's why they do not the disrespect for it, they are very close guarded. Mm-hmm. They do not like, that's what I said, they do not, if you're rude or hateful, that means you're disrespectful. Right. So mm-hmm. they do not want to carry that. They don't, they won't teach you if you're being disrespectful of their culture, their heritage. They are very specific on how they like to do things. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, probably for good reason. Right. Yes. They're very proud. Like you say, they don't want it tarnished. Right. And, and that's what tarnished. keeps the strength of all of that culture moving forward is that it's so tight knit and it is so well regarded yes you, it's not something that they take lightly so i totally agree with that and the myth of them teaching kids like when they have their pe class is martial arts huh. gotta and love it their elementary schools it's no kids over there start learning it like we do kickball okay so <laughs> they learn it very very early on so and it's very interesting watching some of them kids it is amazing the skill and the talent that some of them have. I can only mm-hmm. imagine. And what a way to really get started with things. And it teaches them discipline at the very beginning. Right. I'm glad yes. you brought that up because yeah. there is so much more than just the, the skill of fight. You know, there's so yes. much discipline and so, many, so much as far as respect. And there's so many other qualities mm-hmm. that the martial arts world brings for sure. Yeah. Very much so. Now, I, I'm, I'm freaking out here. I, so I'm going to veer off just a little bit, but don't let it put a damper on things. Deb, are we recording? Because this is so great. I would be heartbroken. Yes, we're definitely Because we've had it happen before, Jason. <laughs> oh, man. One, one, I know. Oh. Yeah, one of my very first interviews. <laughs> it actually, it was my first interview, and it was like a really great interview. So I thought, and the, vo- the sound didn't work. Yeah. Oh, so man. it's always like some technical difficulty. So now that Deb has reassured me that it's <laughs> it is recording. It's okay. It's okay. There, there you go. go. Deep breaths. There you Chuck. Go. Deep breaths. It's and, all okay. Uh, so that's all good. So let's keep rolling here. Yeah, because um, I think we need to get into the meat of why and how in the world did we come to well, first of all Memphis, Texas. Well, we're gonna places. get that, but okay. I want to make sure everybody knows who this great man is. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and uh, one of the things we'll move into this, Jason. And again, like I say, if you got something you want add just feel free to do it at any time is that uh, you're actually part of uh, an mc is that correct yes sir um my father's the uh, president we are a red knights the red knights motorcycle club here in memphis we are texas chapter 15 mm-hmm. uh, one of my neighbors kind of back behind you is our vice president Okay. I'm our treasurer, and we have about four other members for our little chapter here in Texas. Mm-hmm. All right. And so one of the things is when you first told me about that, 
um, you, well, you told me about it at a different time, and then you told me about it later, and I and then you gave me the history. Right. There, there's a lot more than that. Why don't you maybe some of our viewers they're they're fairly new uh, and may may not know some of this stuff. So you share some of that with us about the rest of the nights and and the colors and what they mean and that kind of thing, if you would please. Oh, no problem, sir. Sir, uh, all red knights are firemen. Um, there are blue knights who are obviously our cops. We have white knights that are medical staff, EMTs, nurses, doctors. There's green knights, which I could also be a part of because okay. of my military background. Right. There are gold knights who are retired military. I believe there are black knights who are your city, your state workers, stuff like that. Hmm. A lot of the knights of the round table are job-related. Okay. But everything is family-based. They're red knights or not. Or all the knights are not one percenter groups. That's one of the beliefs. Right. <laughs> we do wear a three-piece patch. Okay. We are authorized to, and it is a worldwide thing. It is not just state or national. There are knights worldwide. And the three-piece patch, for those who do know motorcycle history, mm -hmm. is very seclusive. Not everybody gets to wear a three-piece patch. Correct. Correct. We do but we're not part of the one percenters. That, like right. I said, we are very family-oriented. Most of us are first responders, so when we're out, right. we're representing some of the better guys. Yes. <laughs> there you go. That's right. Absolutely. Now, I've met a lot of one percent groups mm -hmm. that are some of the best motorcyclists I have ever met in my life. Mm -hmm. So the old-school stigma of the one percent are nothing but... <laughs> Thug, robber, not, uh, that may have been at some point, but in today's age, I see that as maybe a select group, but I've met right. banditos, I've met a couple of Hells Angels, I've met several others in different organizations that are still some of the best riders, as long as you know the rules right. and you know the, you know, courtesies. Exactly. And you show right. respect. It goes right. back to respect. respect. Yes, absolutely. And that's one of the biggest things that we respect each other's colors. We respect all other riders, no matter what their background is. Yep. And, uh, you know, I think that's a good clarification that you've made. And, and uh, you know, we've actually attended, uh, I, I mentioned this to you, a hog training where they told us a story about uh, the bottom rocker. So anybody listening, you don't want to ever put a bottom rocker on unless you're auto authorized uh, by the sanctioning organization. I don't know who it is. You probably do, Jason, if you can remember. But you just don't want to go around and put a bottom rocker on anything because that could not turn out very well for yourself. Right. There's motorcycle etiquette, and you yeah. just need to understand yes. that. And if you don't know, then ask the appropriate questions to people so that you can become educated and not put yourself possibly in danger or yeah. harm's way if that's not the And case. there's a lot of new clubs that start up. And just like us, when we wanted to start a chapter here in Memphis, we had to ask permission. Correct. Mm -hmm. Now, we the Red Knights have a long history just like the other Knights do. So there was a protocol and how to ask and you go through that organization for it. But any club, even, even if us three just wanted to start our own motorcycle club, mm -hmm. there are certain ways, especially if you're wanting to put on a specific time of patch, how to ask. Correct. So the etiquette, the respect of who you're around, that travels. You know, there's always been incidences at other towns. We've had them here in Texas, California, of yeah. some biker breaking the rules and the mm -hmm. etiquette. 
Some end politely and some probably not so. <laughs> that was it a really happens. nice way to put it, so thank you. <laughs> so uh, if, if there's anything else you could add, I thought that was really cool that you went through and broke that down because that was something that I didn't know about it. And you've actually taught me a lot uh, since I've met, met you in a very short period of time. It's been quite interesting. Anything else you wanted to add to Oh. Okay, because what I'm going to do is I'm going to go, uh, because you mentioned the first responders, and I don't know if anybody can see, but there's a sign right over uh, to the right side of Deb. It says, uh, I support law enforcement. And that yes, takes sir. us up. I think we've we brought everything up to about where you are right now today. So if you could tell us about, if, if you're allowed to, I don't know, you know, it might be one of those things <laughs> if you can share what you do or not. But if you could tell us a little bit what you what you do for a career, that'd be great. Uh, as of right now, I work for the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. I work for the Texas prison system. <laughs> yeah. Some that's good, some that's not. Uh, what I do is I've worked for TDC for a little under 10 years total. So I worked for TDC before I joined the Marine Corps, and then I did when I got out. Okay. What I am right now is we're up in Region 5, which is everything from Wichita Falls over to Lubbock and that area. And the entire Texas Panhandle is my region. Wow. So I work out of the Region 5 office, and I'm part of what we call a search team or a contraband interdiction team. Whoa. Uh, (laughs) We find contraband, uh, drugs, weapons, gang-related materials, phones, stuff the inmates are not supposed to have. We go on, and that's what we try to do is we remove that problem from the area. Mm. Okay. And I know that you've shown me some things. What's one of the most interesting uh, devices that you've found that they, they're, they're able to create? If there's one that, what, that might stand out for you. Well, we'll keep it G-rated. Um, <laughs> oh, I didn't know there was an X-rated. <laughs> yeah, we didn't go down that Or an R. Yet, yeah. um, what we call them are stingers. Okay. It's, um, I've seen some made out of Coke cans and some toilet paper rolls, like the cardboard for an insulator and some right. string. And it's so they can heat up their water. Oh, okay. They plug it into an outlet, and there's razor blades, or there's a piece of metal at the end of it. And is what it is. You plug it in, and that gets hot. So oh. it will instantly heat up a cup of water or a bowl of water if you need it hot. Huh. And I've seen probably about 40 different versions of it. And they're pretty neat. Uh, some of them are very ingenious. Mm. That you're like, I'm not touching that when I plug it in. Poof. <laughs> yeah, I've seen a lot of those. And tattoo guns are probably oh, okay. one of the neatest ways that they make them because they make two different kinds. Okay. They make a 24 and a 110. Okay. Because the 110, they can plug into their wall. Right. A 24, which is a little bit smaller one. They can hook it up to their fan and control the speed of it Whoa. off of their fans. Oh, my goodness. Gracious. Oh, yeah. they Unbelievable. Uh, they got time, and they're very ingenious <laughs> on how they, they do their right. stuff. They figure right. out that way. Very interesting. And, you know, one of the things I love the most is my freedom. And as you were talking about how, you know, they have to create these things to get hot water. You know, to to make something that's hot, like a coffee or a tea or whatever it is that they're heating up the water for. Yeah, apparently, they don't have hot water. You just uh, don't have do free have, access to get it, huh? They have hot pots if you can afford it. If you have oh, the money okay. on your books, you huh? get a little hot pot. Gotcha. It's got a little metal ring at the bottom of it, which is clear. Okay. So we can see if they try to stick anything in it. Oh. But it's just a little bitty pot, and it's probably about like a four or five cup 
but it has a little ring and a metal plate at the bottom. Okay. And they plug it in, but it's regulated. It's only going to get so hot it will not boil. Okay. okay. Stingers will make it boil. All right. Wow. Well, good, because I don't want to have to find out the hard way. I would rather have you tell me how that works. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, don't I do have the cuffs the in the truck. Either. Just saying. <laughs> well, I'm sure there's other things in that truck of yours as yeah, well. We won't even go there. <laughs> what uh, you know, I, I found it very interesting when you were telling me about what you did. And to me, I, I I don't know if you remember me telling you this. I I think it would make for a great television show. <laughs> well, the show cops kind of covers the outside version of what we do. <laughs> yeah, the outside. The outside yeah. version. Yeah, that's true. But uh, you know. You, you guys, uh, and I don't know, you, we can cut this out if we need to, but you're not just after the inmates, is that right? Unfortunately, no, sir. Um, we I mean, do go after dirty bosses, as we call them, because the contraband has to come into the prison in some, some way. way. Uh, the inmates ain't leaving and bringing it back. Right. Mm-hmm. So it has to be either brought in by a civilian who works there. Um, not everybody in a prison is a correctional officer. Right. We're not guards. Oh, okay. We do not like the word guards. <laughs> right. Um, so you do have, like, commissary, and you do have other areas where they're regular civilian clothing, okay. secretary, stuff like that. You also have dirty bosses who are COs who sneak it in and bring it in. And if we can catch the evidence on that, find names, and we help other people put puzzle pieces together. There you go. Uh, we do not do a lo- the investigations. That is not mine. I just find stuff, and then I turn it in. Okay. And we let the real investigators, they do all the heavy lifting on that. Okay. All right. So so they're protecting the facility for all involved is what yeah. I kind of just summarized Ultimately, in my own that's mind. The whole yeah, yes, that's exactly right. They're just protecting When the we facility. remove contraband, it's not just to mess over an inmate or anything like that, or we're not trying to walk off bosses. If we right. find it, that's what we're going to do. Right. But it is safety. That is our number one job is trying to provide safety for other inmates and for ourselves and the other people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Anybody trying to escape. So our job is to protect the public from that. Great. So our job is a lot of safety. It is not just to harass or to or to tear up their stuff. We do not break or damage. That is accidents do happen. I'm not going to say that they don't. Sure. But we do our best as a team to not damage. That is not my job. I'm not going to tear up their family pictures. I'm not going to tear up their property because that is just wrong. There Mm -hmm. you go. I'm going to search through it, and then I'm going to put it over in an area so it's not damaging or anything else. Sure. And that's what we got a couple of new team members who I'm very proud of to have on our team, and that's what we're trying to teach them is how we do our job. It is not just to go in there and tornado a cell, which is just throw everything around and leave. Sure. We have a very specific method on how we do it, and we do our best not to damage anything. Mm -hmm. So that way when the inmates come back in, their stuff is in an area where they can put back up. But, you know, it's not trash. Right. Right. In in other words, and and then they don't have to, you know, feel like they've been... Violated. Yeah. It, there's a level of exactly. respect. Exactly. That is. Yeah, exactly. So it goes back to respect that. again. Yes, isn't it? absolutely. Um, respect is a big one with us. Um, you have different ways of that us COs deal with inmates. Mm-hmm. And the same way with inmates and how they deal with us. Sure. It is respectful or it's not. Correct. Um, some of us will use words gentleman or sir, even toward an inmate, to help gain a little bit of respect. Mm-hmm. 
that way when my inmate management skills or how I talk to an inmate, I can ask you. Instead of me being vulgar and screaming at you, I can talk to them just like we're having a conversation here, Mm -hmm. and it's easier for me to do my job. Mm -hmm. They're going to want to respond a little bit easier, just like a normal person. Just because they're locked up does not mean that they are not human and they they do not have the same kind of mentality. Absolutely. Just like bikers have rules and regs, Mm -hmm. inmates do too, and so do COs. Right. And I believe that is in any job. Even my father's job has certain rules of what they do. Correct. So if you take that simple mentality as far as it is, it's a basic thing. Mm -hmm. A little bit of respect does go a long way with anybody. Right, absolutely. And that's at a mall, at Walmart, it's on the street. You know, on the side of a road, you know, it's, (laughs) it really is on the side of the road. And and so maybe that could be a good segue, but, but, you know, Jason, uh, you're just really an extraordinary individual and, uh, you know, that's the way I feel about it. And I think, I hope our audience, uh, saw that person of you. I mean, because you got a lot that you've accomplished in your life and you're, you're an overachiever. I said that you were an underachiever jokingly, but you're an overachiever who, who actually has a lot of creative skills as well. Uh, we can't show you guys the, the porch right now, but when, when he gets it done, we'll put a picture up so everybody can see it. But he just sent y'all some before and after pictures and That'd be great. That'd be awesome. for it. Yeah. yeah so, definitely. And uh, he's into knives, and he gave me a knife that I actually carry right now that he sharpened up for me. Uh, so he's really big he into knives. He hasn't cut himself yet, has he? No, and he hasn't <laughs> cut me, uh, so that's a little bit. <laughs> that's a bonus. Yeah, I haven't woken up with that knife he, anywhere near me. So. I, I'm sure Jason was <laughs> Jason was probably worried after he gave it that to me. He was probably worried I was going to lose some fingers with it. But I have been pretty good, Jason, so you'd be, oh, pr- you'd, you'd be proud of me. Yep. He's, got some, they got, so he's got a wonderful wife, and they've uh, also got uh, a couple of – uh, dogs uh, that are lot, loads of fun. Three dogs, actually. Yes, sir. Three dogs, and they're loads of fun. Yep. And um, Oh, yeah, and he does love guns. Are we allowed to say that? <laughs> I'm in Texas. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Texas. We are sitting in Texas, for yeah. heaven's sake. So. Obviously, in the shirt that he's wearing as well. <laughs> so he's a fantastic person. I'm going to tell you a little bit, or actually, maybe I'm going to let him tell you a little bit more about it, and you can see what an amazing man this really is. And uh, it's how we met. And it, to me, I, I've got to say, it's, um, it's sort of life-changing, to be quite honest with mm-hmm. you, uh, about how all this came about and how I've made a new friend for life. And I do feel like I'm actually part of his family, whether they like it or oh, not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you're you not just a step-cousin. Step that's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, and, and all that just in, the, in two short days, I think it was, if I remember correctly. Yes, sir. It was pretty quick. So if you don't mind, let's uh, – and I'd like you, if you don't mind, just to start with your version. Our viewers, I've already shared my version of it a little bit before on a – on a previous episode, two episodes back or something like that. So if you don't mind, if you could share from your perspective how we met and how things sort of went down, and if they can hear it from your side, I think it would be really oh, cool. Yes, sir. And then they can put the two and two together as far as how we hooked up and how we, we came to be sitting in Memphis, Memphis, Tennessee, out here on this beautiful Memphis, day. Texas, Texas. Wrong Te- state. I know, yeah. I keep doing that. Oh. Texas, thank Texas, you. Yeah. He, it's lucky I'm still sitting in the chair. He didn't knock me over. <laughs> well, that's mom's chair, so I don't want to break it. <laughs> <laughs> smart man. All right. Smart man. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, go ahead and start. Uh, Wherever you want to. I'd well, appreciate it. Uh, me and my wife were, Childers is 30 miles from where we're at now, south. Well, we went to Walmart. It's the closest Walmart for us. So we had to go pick up some stuff, some groceries. 
And when we're getting down there, I look over on the side of the road on the northbound lane, and I see this gentleman on a bike, and he's on his phone. Well, he's pulled over to the side of the road, so for us, it wasn't that big of a deal because a lot of people around here, 287 is a major highway from Amarillo all the way to Dallas. But some, if they missed I-40, which is a little north of us, Mm -hmm, so they're trying to figure out where they're at. So, okay, well, he's on his phone. Maybe he's just checking. At that time, it was about 105, 106 outside, and it was warm, but I did see that he had a bottle of water. So we're like, okay, well, maybe he's just checking to see his location. Yeah. So we went on with our day. Two hours, maybe a little bit more later, we start leaving, and he's still there. And at this point, he's holding on to the bike, and it's about 111 at this point. Ooh. It hadn't gotten up because it's later in the day. Well, 111, that's probably about 115, 120 on the asphalt. Mm. So I know he's about to be cooking. There's no shade where no. this gentleman was at. So I'm like, nope, I don't know what's wrong or anything else. So we turn around and we pull back in front of him. And I looked, I'm like, sir, are you okay? Um, you know, there's no shade out here. Speech was good, but I could tell that he had already quit sweating at that point. The heat was getting, he was drinking water, but... When you're not sweating, that means you're also on signs of a heat stroke or signs of heat distress, which I believe I gave you a yes, card you that you can see that. To my wallet. <laughs> yep. There are signs and symptoms, which TDC and the Marine Corps have taught me how to recognize heat stroke, heat distress, you know, heat cramps. So I'm, I'm scanning this individual, <laughs> and I'm judging how his posture is, how his how he's looking, how his speech is, and do I need to call medical, call an ambulance? Is he okay and I just need to cool him off? What's wrong? So I'm assessing him as I'm introducing myself and I'm seeing how he is. Well, come to find out, he's riding a Harley. No offense to anybody. (laughs) But uh, he said he was having engine problems. Like, okay, um, where are you from? And I, at this time, I did not look at the tag that says Florida because, you know, I do read every now and then. <laughs> Just not that day. Yeah. That moment, yeah. And checking him, I noticed he was getting a little hot. So, like I said, we just got from Walmart. So, I moved some stuff around in the back seat and start my truck up. And I turned the AC on. Now, trying to convince this stubborn man <laughs> that, sir, you need to cool off. You need to rest for a minute. He's already called AAA, trying to get a tow truck, see where he's going. I believe he's been on the phone with you yeah, quite probably. a bit. Trying to figure things and, out. And, yep. you know, you got to ask the boss, you know, advice. So <laughs> That's right. We see him, and I finally get him into the truck and turn AC on, get him some other water, and start trying to get him cooled down. Because at this point, like I said, he's already real hot. He's repeated himself a couple of times, so I know that he's – his internal temperature is very, very hot. Mm-hmm. So i like, no, we need to cool him off before I have to call an ambulance. Yeah. Because at a certain point, you start getting too hot, a heat stroke can cause death. If you pass out, like I said, it's already 110. Yeah. It would not take long. Nope. And you're just standing there. You're not being exertion on exercise. Right. But the heat from that asphalt and the heat from the sun starts to cook. Mm -hmm. And anybody who's been very hot will fully understand what that feeling is Mm -hmm. at a point where you stop sweating. 
Right. Now your your body is needing help. So we got him cooled off. Triple A showed up, and once again, trying to convince the stubborn one to, <laughs> hey, there's no Harley shops around here. There's no dealers that we can really go to. Well, just go to my house. So finally convinced him, <laughs> the AAA guy, the tow truck. We brought it here to my house and unloaded a bike. It was sitting in my garage for a little bit while yep. you tinkered on to find out exactly what did go wrong. Right. I'm sorry, I'm not a mechanic. Yep, I'm an electrician. Yep, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, got it down, and it was 4th of July weekend. That's so right, that's right. nothing was open. There's nothing. Every Nobody. store, yep. every garage was closed. N- trying to get a trailer wasn't happening. No. Trying to figure out how to get it. I don't know, I'm fine, you know. Yep. Leave it here. We'll lock it up in the garage when you are ready, and you can come back to fetch her and... Yep. Get Thumper back on the road, then we will uh, do that. Right on. And that's where we're at today. That's where we're at. <laughs> so it's a fantastic story. And uh, one thing I want to add to this, this is all during the COVID. All right? I, I wanted to make sure that you know, that was because, clear, Because, uh, <laughs> you know, with and all the other stuff that's going on in the world uh, that, you, that you've seen all around us uh, during that period of time, you know, it's a... Uh, it could be a very uh, dangerous time to even stop off the side of the road and talk to somebody. But he's such a badass; he didn't he didn't worry about it one bit. <laughs> he had his gun on him too, and I remember at one point he said to me, "He says, just in case you're wondering why am I carrying my gun." He explained to me that he was a uh, an officer, and I said, "Well, I didn't even notice you had a gun." <laughs> and I said to him, "But I guess you probably noticed I had mine." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just setting the level straight, you know, just making. Sure you understand where each other are life is good so you know and uh, i appreciate jason and and him sharing that story and the way i sort of remember it when he first walked up it was sort of like he just appeared out of nowhere was that the way i seemed when you were there i was just like oh (laughs) wow i don't know if i said where'd you come from or wow hi i just remember so you sort of he was like a big red four by four right (laughs) right i don't know either well i said that's when i started assessing you on your how you are being your mannerisms your speech and because I could tell at that point you were way beyond hot. Yeah. Even trying to drink water like you were, but like I said, no shade. There was no, no shade. No, there was no shade. There was nothing but concrete and asphalt and where you were at. Right, right. So, and you'd already been there for over two hours. Uh, I had no idea, by the way, when he told me that, it, it blew my mind. I knew <laughs> See, it had been a while. I don't know how long you were there before I saw you the yeah. first time. So, yeah. you could have been there five minutes <laughs> or an hour before I saw you. Right, right. So, it's I know it was around two hours from when I first saw you to when we stopped. Yeah. I know that time frame. But before that, I was unsure, and that's why I was a little worried that you haven't had any help, you haven't gone nowhere. Mm-hmm. Okay, at this temperature, health risk significantly increase. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's Especially why I told my wife, like, no, we need, a, we need a check on him because if he's not local, I mean, then he don't know the area. He don't know where things are at. Mm-hmm. And like you said, during the COVID, most people, hey, you're just a – Old dirty biker is what a lot of people (laughs) see. They don't understand. So most people don't stop, especially for bikers, which is very sad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, 
which I believe also educated you on Biker in Distress, didn't you I? You sure did, yes. and I wanted to make sure that we covered that. And since you covered it, let's go ahead and bring it up because I want to make sure that everybody else knows. And I have may have been told this at one time, but I had forgotten it. And it's very important to remember, and I guarantee you I will not forget it from this point forward. Um, rule of thumb on Biker in Distress is if you have a helmet, a hat, something that goes on your head, if they place it behind their bike... They need help. Right. There's something that is not right. It's like a road cone for bikers. Mm -hmm. Now, most bikers might recognize it, but civilians who don't ride will never understand. Right. Mm -hmm. And the only reason I stopped, like I said, is because I knew the time frame and the temperature. Mm -hmm. Mine was checking on you to make sure of that. But, yeah, biker in distress is a major thing, especially out here. If you're going through the lower 48, it gets hot. Yeah. And you said you'd already been riding for a little while. So the heat of where you were coming from Mm -hmm. and then that on added on top of it. Mm -hmm. No, it was a, it could have gone very serious in a not good way. Well, I actually, you know, one of the things you're talking about, you know, um, being on that edge. And then when you're a perfect shape like me. You know, round perfect, is a yep. shape. Exactly. Shape, yes, it's a perfect, perfect shape. When, you, yes. when, you, when you're a perfect shape like me, that doesn't help matters much. Yeah. So I knew that I was in a little bit of trouble when I pulled over initially. And uh, I've told the audience before, I, one of the first things I said to AAA is, uh, I've got an emergency here. I'm out of the middle of nowhere, you know, such and such. So, so I knew even that, and then knowing that I'm not in the greatest shape, adding this on top of it, yes. Basically, Jason, I feel like that you've probably, uh, in some way or another, probably more than likely saved my life. So that's the way I feel about what you've done for me. So. Well, I'm glad I did because yeah, make new friends for life. Absolutely that's for it. life. New friends, new for friends, life. family for life here, and uh, it's it's uh, it's really it, uh, it's emotional for me. Uh, and it's interesting that he talks about how stubborn I was, uh, and I think I even I even talked to Deb about this, or I called Deb or something about it, and uh, you know he's inviting me to his house. And uh, I'm a very independent person, and I'm not used to taking help. How would you put it, Deb? What, I, maybe yeah, even the not, way I said to a, you. He's not a good receiver. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, come on. Well, you got to, because he's stubborn, you got to encourage that over and over and over again before he realizes that help is not a bad thing. So, yeah, yeah it's just, I mean, we've lived just with us the four of us, our small family, and no other family to rely on. And so I think that that brings a different mindset of how we react to circumstances and situations. Because, again, if I were in the same boat, my first thought is just to pick the phone up and call you. I wouldn't know where else to begin. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, again, I'm an old Texas girl from birth, and so I am – Super stoked that we've got new Texas <laughs> friends for life. Shoot you. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, just again, there were so many elements to this that it's not just a biker coming out to help. It was a biker that extended, I think, way beyond the normal. And now oh, yeah. we've got this situation called COVID. And as we've traveled across the United States, every state's handled it a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And some, it's extremely difficult to do anything and others act like it doesn't exist. So just the fact that this is something that many of us are very aware of in our circumstances and being very cautious in most of 
the interactions we have in life, just the, the fact that, a, you know, a hand was shared and then bringing you in. And then and then I even came down and stayed, too, for heaven's <laughs> yeah, sake. They, so they we didn't just stay one night. Down, yeah, yeah. We, stayed, we both stayed. You have and to watch uh, our local little fireworks right? show. Oh, yeah, we that's had a right. fantastic that was fourth and That was probably one of the better fourths, you know, yeah, when you think about it, about it how wonderful. it all went down and everything. Yeah. Um, over a fourth of July, July weekend. Steak it and, was a great oh, steak. Oh, fantastic How could I forget the steak? Goodness. We missed up the steak last night, right? <laughs> and then we had uh, we had into here to to pick up Thumper and take it home, and they they graciously uh, got us some excellent fried chicken. So that's right. That was real good. And then of course Jason <laughs> takes care of everything from my bike, gets it loaded up, strapped down, and everything else. So <laughs> it's it's uh, it's just quite. He's quite an amazing person. Deb, you said it right. He's uh, uh, he, how do you, what was the word you said? It wasn't a giver. He's a, a, a person a ser- person of service that's or? right he's definitely got a heart of service uh, and so servant's I, you know, heart yep. yep servant's definitely heart. heart and everything he does and uh, you know i got a chance to meet his folks fantastic people and uh you know they raised a good good man here that's obviously right. yes they and should be proud. Uh, so that's why i feel like i'm part of the family even after two days i almost felt like i should walk through the door today but i had to have some respect i'm just not gonna <laughs> walk in uh, always welcome. Uh, um so uh that's sort of the way it went down it was uh quite interesting the whole time it was hard to get me in that truck and i remember i started seeing you unload the stuff in the uh out of the back seat to the front and uh, you you were you wanted to get me in the vehicle and get me in some ac and uh, to get me safe and um so it it was very interesting how it all played out and it's been life-changing for me uh next time i see somebody out on the road you know, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there looking for that helmet in the back or, right. or maybe I'll pull over and make sure everything's okay yeah, because somebody be sure. did it for me. And so just keep a, keep, keep a thought out there. If you see somebody on the side of the road, they, they might be in some serious need of help uh, like I was. And thank God, literally, that uh, Jason and his wife uh, showed up and, and helped me out. Absolutely. So I, I think the show was riddled with a ton of life lessons um, <laughs> that, you know, we can't even really summarize. It was about dedication. It was about giving 110% to everything you do. It's about not doing it unless you're ready to commit and then being there for others. Yeah. So I think it was a great show. Yes. Respect. Respect. respect huge. The respect ran through it. And I have a great deal uh, of respect uh, for Jason and his family. And, yes. And, uh, and, and actually, you know, what it was really cool. Uh, you know, I always wondered what it'd be like to live in a small town <laughs> and, it's pretty cool. It's cool. It's pretty cool. <laughs> well, it's, we just it's, we it's, got a little it's nice, bit of nice and laid just back. Just a little bit of taste, and yeah. it was phenomenal. It was so. nice and laid back. So yeah. you know, I've I've always ridden through towns, and I wonder what it'd be like to live in a small town like that. And I got to experience it firsthand, mm-hmm. and uh, I'd say it's pretty darn cool. So yeah, well, you want to wrap it up? All right, I guess we can wrap it up. Anything you want to wrap up, Jason? Anything? We'll we'll sort of give you the last words. We'll Absolutely. Sort of, and then right. uh, we'll just wrap it up from there. But actually, I, I, I before you do, I I don't know if I said it enough. I I hope I did. I I just want to make sure that I have that I really appreciate you and and, <laughs> and what you've done for me. Uh, and it's been so much. It's not just been a little. It's just not picking me up and bringing my bike here. It's uh, just being a great individual, and it's meant a lot to me. So. I just want to make sure you know that and Very make sure so. that you. you know that I extremely appreciate you. And I'm so glad that that uh, we were able to meet. Oh, yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I would like to add is, you know, people will pull over on the side of the road. And you just do have to be cautious. Like I said, mm-hmm. I use the word assess because of my background. That's what I do. you got to be careful on some because 
you know, if you're needing help, the person that pulls over may not be. Or you pulling over to help that person on the side of the road may not be. You got to be true. cautious. You got to be careful. And that's not just with COVID. That's just in everyday life. It's you do have to be careful and you do have to be cautious. Yeah. Yes. But, you know, sometimes people desperately need it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can be that one person that pulls over, that one person Absolutely. to provide help where nobody else was. Right. So, you know, I'm very cautious when I do pull over. Um, I'm very aware of my surroundings. I am, you know, like I said, I assess the situation as I'm walking up. I pay attention to body mannerisms. I look at my surroundings. But it's one where, yes, I do want to help as much (laughs) as I can. But, But, and I have had times where, nope, you know what, this ain't happening. Right. Right. But I'm so happy and I am very, very grateful that, you know, hey, I made some damn good friends out of this (laughs) absolutely it's amazing how something the way it went uh can turn out so good yes yes sir Um, and it's just been a total blessing so we're going to wrap it up with that if Uh if if, deb you have anything you want to say no i just nope i said it (laughs) okay all right well well, thanks a lot for doing this with us jason it really means a lot absolutely Uh, right and hey we'll get back get you back on the show check in see how you're down how's that We, we can do it remotely absolutely right that's not a problem you could tell us all about how the the deck or what do we call it here patio porch porch porch. it's the south all right it's the porch it's the porch so you can tell us all that or whatever we want to talk about we can do that so uh we really appreciate everybody listening thank you so much hope you got a lot out of this and uh stay tuned we got more coming at you have a good day everybody we'll see you again soon